Uh, good morning. Uh, for those who may not know me, uh, for those who are here and those online, my name is Kent Heinrichson. I am the uh, youth and college pastor here at Cross Point uh, Community Church. And as youth pastor, we, um, we, we're partnering more and more with the Heart House and service projects, and we really enjoy um, helping an organization that um, benefits our community, that serves our community, that loves on our community, and we want to help out in as many ways as we can. Um, and so we are thankful that um, Brandy was here this morning and sharing about Heart House. Uh, one more other uh, hype student ministry announcement. Um, if you um, remember Dave's announcement about the church-wide lunch on June 12th, that is a fundraiser lunch for our summer retreat. Uh, our summer retreat is July 15th through the 17th. And if you are a hype student from the past year, 6th grade through 12th grade in the last school year, you are eligible to sign up for some retreat. And let me tell you, spots are going quickly. In the first two days of the signups being open, we had 16 students sign up. And so that is about half. So in two days, about half of our slots were filled up. Um, and we're super excited for that. Um, and just announcement, if you want to go and you haven't signed up, you're going to want to sign up quickly because um, spots will fill up rather um, quickly. This morning, I want to start off with a story. When I, when I was about nine years old, uh, my family uh, moved houses. Uh, and before we could move into our new house, we had to do a lot of renovating. A lot of renovating. Um, it was then when I was introduced to the word uh, demolition and uh, a sledgehammer, and it was a glorious feeling busting down a wall with a sledgehammer and um, trying to destroy things so we could build them back up better and stronger. Um, it was also during that time I was first introduced to a tool called the wire stripper. This is going to be kind of weird, but I'm sure this will make sense hopefully later on. The purpose of a wire stripper, if you don't know, and I was going to demonstrate this, but it makes it a little bit hard since I have to now hold the mic, uh, demonstrate what a, what a wire stripper does. It, it takes a, a piece of wire and it strips the outer coating of the wire off to where you can actually see the wire itself, and so the wire can be used. The purpose of a wire stripper is to strip the wire so it can connect to other wires, the source of a current, or so that something else can use the current. Um, I was going to use this illustration in person at a youth training event in Birmingham, but I was so excited to do this in person because on that youth training trip to Birmingham, I was not allowed to bring this on the plane um, for obvious reasons. Um, but it's okay. Apparently, God didn't want me to do this in public either because I probably would have made a fool of myself. Anyway, without stripping the end of a wire, the wire is unable to transfer current. It's useless. It is not being used what it's designed for. Unless you get down to the wire, the wire cannot fulfill its purpose. Now, just like a wire is designed for a purpose, we as humans, too, have a purpose. According to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief end or purpose of man or humanity is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Ecclesiastes 12.13 says this, when all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is this. Fear God, keep his commands, because this is for all humanity. Psalm 73, 25 through 26 says, Who do I have in heaven but you? I desire nothing on earth but you. My flesh, my heart may fail, 
but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. See, our purpose as humans is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And this happens when we have a right relationship with Him. And that only happens when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And when we have this, when we accept Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, they're covered, and we're able to have this right relationship with God. Because humanity was created to be in a relationship with God. This implies that we must be relational. And this happens at the heart level. No, not our physical heart that keeps us physically alive, but rather the spiritual heart, the source of our affections. It is at the heart level where we recognize the root of our sin. It's at the heart level where we see our need for God's strength and grace in our lives. It's at the heart level where we praise God for his love, his mercy, and grace in our lives. There's a a secular song that says, now we're getting down to the wire, getting to the heart of the matter. And at the heart of every matter is a matter of the heart. So this morning, we're going to strip back the outer coating of the heart. We're going to strip back the layers, and we're going to get to the heart, which, pro- which produces emotions. And this is where we're going this morning, is we're going to talk about emotions, which comes from the heart, and we're going to use the book of Proverbs to do this. Now, you might ask, why Proverbs? Well, one reason uh, is because we're in the middle of a teaching series in Proverbs uh, about uh, different truths, different uh, life attributes, and things to learn from the book of Proverbs called Wisdom for Life. But another key reason is that the proverb, book of Proverbs mentions the Hebrew root word for heart 97 times, spanning 29 of the 31 chapters in Proverbs. I would say this is a pretty key topic. In Proverbs, if it addresses the heart that much, we should take some attention to it as well. Well, our key verse this morning, as we will be starting this survey of what it means to glorify God in your emotions, will be Proverbs 4.23. Now, when I say a survey, that's exactly what I mean. There's multiple books out there written on emotions. There's college-level classes about how to uh, process through emotions, how to counsel other people through their emotions. There's an hour-and-a-half-long animation movie about emotions, and I have the next 25 minutes. So, I hope you're ready. I hope you strap on your theological seatbelts, because we're going on an emotional, theological journey through Proverbs, which starts at chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it is the source of life. Now, when I see the word guard, my youth pastor mind goes to uh, one illustration in particular, and that is of a dodgeball game called Medic. And now, Medic uh, is a game where you have one person on each team labeled as the medic, and they are able to tag teammates who have been hit and been out to get back into the game. Now, if a team's medic gets hit and gets out of the game, the game usually goes over pretty quickly because it's a disadvantage not to have your medic. Because of this, you see students, especially when we play this game uh, at Hype on Sunday nights, um, you see students guard their medic. 
they like have a protective shield around their medic um, so they don't get out. In a sense, those students in that case guard the medic to keep them safe from the attacks of the opposing team's dodgeballs that are being thrown at them. Now, when I think of the dodgeball game medic, I, I think it's a great picture of what it looks like to guard our heart from temptations from the devil. George Schwab, a professor of Old Testament, says this about the heart in Proverbs 4.23. Heart is a word that Proverbs uses to describe the entire internal life of a person. It is an internal reflection of the person. It is the religious center of the person which orients the mind, will, and emotions. Hence, the source of life. What the heart loves is at the issue. Does it love folly or wisdom, Yahweh or evil? The heart of a man is the proper target for counsel. Through it, his life is comprehended. So it's important um, when we mention guarding our hearts because our emotions flow from our heart. And if we want to glorify God with our emotions, we must be first concerned about guarding our hearts from evil so that what comes from our heart will be God-glorifying. Now, we don't have time to go over at length what guarding our heart looks like and how to do that specifically. Um, I just don't have that much time if we're going through emotions. So I encourage you, uh, reread the chapter that Amber read this morning in Ephesians 6. I think it gives a great illustration of what it looks like to guard one's heart against temptations. Now, let's move into more specifically about emotions which come from our heart. Earlier, I referenced an animated movie on emotions, which is called Inside Out, if you didn't know what I was talking about earlier. Raise your hand if you've actually seen that movie, Inside Out. Some of you, the majority of you, wow. Raise your hand if you can name all five emotions that are in that movie. That's a tough one. You, you think you got it? Anybody? All five? It's tough. Say, what do you think it is, Milo? What are the five emotions? Joy, sadness, disgust, that's the one a lot of people forget, fear, and anger. Good job. Good. Hey, he was the only one that knew. Joy, anger, sadness, fear, and disgust. You want to know a fun fact? All of those five emotions are referenced in the CSB version of Proverbs. But before we look at each of these five emotions, because I do want to dive deeper into each emotion, um, I, I want to discuss how to correctly view emotions on the general level, on, on a big scale, on a 30,000-foot view, to know how to handle emotions overall. Proverbs 16, 32 says this, Patience is better than power, controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. What this proverb is saying is that the ability to be self-controlled in our emotions is something of great value. Here it mentions the value of military success. In today's culture, we could swap out military success for just about anything. We can um, substitute sports. It can be said, patience is better than power, and controlling one's emotions than winning the Super Bowl, or having financial success. 
or maybe having popularity. The point of this is that controlling one's emotions is valued. It is something that is high esteemed and something to be sought after. Because we've seen on public display, you know, a famous and wealthy actor, when unable to control his emotions, slap someone in an award show, and now his reputation is defamed. And when you hear that actor, instead of thinking of, I'm good, I'm used to the handheld, we're good. Now when you think of this actor, thank you though, I appreciate the effort. Uh, but now when you think of the actor, instead of thinking about his movies, the first thing that may come to your mind is the slap that occurred in the award show. All because of him not being able to be self-controlled in his emotion. But this leads us to an, a, a logical question. Are emotions bad? Are emotions bad? Well, when we read this proverb of 16, verse 32, and talk about self-control, especially in relation to emotions, it can almost give a negative connotation to the emotions themselves. But I am here to suggest that the emotion itself is not bad. We see God experience emotions. Um, and so we know that emotions themselves can't be bad or inherently sinful. I mean, we see God angry with the Israelites, basically the majority of the Old Testament. Like, it's a lot of that in there. God's angry because they're sinner, sinning and don't repent. Um, we see Jesus, God in flesh, weep and grieve while he was on earth. We also see in Scripture that the throne room of heaven experiences joy when one sinner repents and turns towards God for forgiveness of sins. Clearly, if God experiences emotions, then the emotions themselves aren't bad because God is perfect without sin. Now, because this is true, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to turn to the person sitting next to you and say, your emotions are are not bad. Your emotions are not bad. So then why the negative connotation though? So to get a correct understanding, we need to go back to the proverb we just read, Proverbs 16:32. Patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. The key phrase is here is controlling one's emotions. It comes down to what is controlling you. Do we allow our emotion to control us? Or do we allow God's Holy Spirit to control us? The difference is this. If we turn inward in our emotions and react solely based on what our sinful flesh craves, or are we going to choose to turn upward in our emotions and react in such a way that says no to the flesh and says yes to glorifying God. Now what this means, don't miss this, what this means is that this is an opportunity to be relational with God. What was our purpose in life? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That happens when we are in a right relationship with God. Emotions are an opportunity to be relational with God. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Thank you. I heard one person. <laughs> Again, I want to ask you, 
say this to the person sitting next to you. Your emotions are an opportunity to be relational with God. I have it on the screen if that was too long. Your emotions are an opportunity to be relational with God. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him, because he cares about you. We need to humble ourselves, meaning that when we have emotions, we don't turn inward and make it about ourselves, but rather we cast our cares on God. Because we all have things that we care about, right? You know, if we didn't have anything we cared about, we would be indifferent, emotionless creatures. It would be a very boring life. We all have things we care about. And the beautiful thing is in those moments when we have a care, when we become emotion, when we experience emotion because we care, in those moments, God wants to be relational with you and I because He cares for us. God cares. That's why God also shows emotion. Because He cares. And He desires to be relational with you. When we are relational with God in our emotions, we are stripping back the outward layers of just outward actions. We're getting down to the wire. We're getting to the heart. We're connecting ourselves to the source of life. We're living out what we are designed for, being in a relationship with God. Now, we have this foundation set for how we see our emotions on a, on a broad scale, on, on a big level. So let's look how to practically live them out. The first step is to, to live this out, is to, rec to recognize our emotions. This takes effort and self-control to be able to slow yourself down, to process what you're feeling, to slow yourself down and to process what you're feeling. There's three questions to ask yourself when you and experience an emotion, when you realize that you have an emotion. What, why, and how? What emotion am I feeling? Why am I feeling that emotion? And how can I glorify God in that emotion? We're going to look at how this plays out in specific ways and specific emotions. Before I go into that, again, I just want to remind you, this is not an exhaustive list. This is not an exhaustive study on specific emotions. I have about, ooh, about 10 minutes left. So we're going we're gonna to get cooking through this. Um, all that to say is if you want to talk to me more about a specific emotion, feel free to reach out. I would love to grab coffee with you or meet with you, and we can totally talk about any emotion at length and depth. All that to say. First emotion, anger. Anger is an emotion we feel. It happens when we feel like we've been wronged or when we see an injustice occurring. Anger happens when we feel like we've been wronged or when we see an injustice, injustice occurring. It's not a matter of if we will feel anger, but a matter of when. Because we live in a sin-fallen world 
And every person that you and I interact with, and even our own selves, we have sinful tendencies. Meaning that there is a vast number of occurrences when we are sinned against and when we sin against others, causing them to be angry or us to feel angry. Vast number of occurrences because we're all sinners. So, how do we glorify God in our anger? First, I'm going to reiterate this. We must be relational with God in our emotions. So we must pray. God, I feel angry. God, I'm feeling angry because I asked someone to do a task. They said they would do it, and they didn't. Please help me glorify you in my anger. Short, sweet, to the point. But in that short prayer, we've addressed the what, the why, and we're relying on God for the how. Now, before I get into the how to glorify God in anger, I I want to take a moment to look at the opposite reaction, what it would look like to sin in my anger. Proverbs 29, 11 says this, a fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise person holds it in check. Now, according to this proverb, sinning in my anger looks like expressing my full emotions with no self-control. In this case, the person who's controlled by the emotion is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. The person acting out, they're acting out because of their selfishness and desire to make it about themselves instead of glorifying God in that moment. When we are controlled by our anger, when we cannot be self-controlled in our anger, what we're doing, we're committing the sin of selfishness and pride, and that is the complete opposite of what it means to glorify God instead of ourselves. To glorify God in that moment, one would look like to be forgiving that person's sin in light of the forgiveness you've received in Christ. And then addressing that person's sin and seeking reconciliation with an attitude of love, not judgment. So we're forgiving and then seeking reconciliation with an attitude of love, not judgment. In moments of anger, we need to be relational with God. We need to look to glorify Him. In that situation, it is only by God's power that we can glorify God in our anger. If we try to do this on our own, we're going to turn inward and be selfish and prideful every single time, loved ones. Every single time if we don't pray and ask God for help. In moments of anger, we need to be relational with God, looking to glorify Him. Next emotion, fear. Fear is a distressing emotion that arises when a perceived danger or threat is present. Fear is something that we've all felt in some form or fashion. Whether that fear leads to anxiety, worry, i.e. worrying about future safety or success of children, or anxiety when feeling overwhelmed when you have a big to-do task list, or fearing what others may think of you. I think we've all experienced fear in some form or fashion. There's so many more things that we can fear. The the list is endless of what fears we may experience in this life. 
I think it's safe to say that we've all felt fear in some form or fashion. When we feel fear, we must first be relational with God in our emotion. So therefore, we pray. We pray, God, I'm, right now I'm feeling fearful, anxious, worried, because there's something that I can't control that I wish I could control. Please help me glorify you in my fear. Now, what would it look like to sin in my fear instead of glorifying God in my fear? Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The first half of this proverb exposes what it looks like to sin in our fear, meaning if we live our lives in fear of other people instead of trusting in God, we then live in constant fear of something or someone else. When we do that, we are committing the sin of idolatry, and ultimately, we are not trusting God, but rather ourselves. We have a small view of God. When we continually have a constant fear that we turn inward, we turn to ourselves to try to overcome. That's what it looks like to sin in our fear. Rather, what does it look like to glorify God in our fear, our worry, our anxiety? It would look like to go and to express it to him. God's not afraid of you to be honest. God wants you to be relational, to be honest. Go and express it. By expressing it, you are trusting in his power and character. You're trusting in his sovereignty and goodness. In moments of fear, we need to be relational with God, looking to glorify him. Our next emotion is joy. Again, this is a very brief overview. Again, I would love to talk more about this in depth. This is a very brief overview. I can't express that enough. Our next emotion is joy. Joy is an attitude of pleasure and well-being. Joy is an emotion we desire to have and to experience. I don't know anyone in here who says, you know, I, I just don't want joy today. Now, if anything, be like, man, like, I want, I want to experience joy today. I want, I want to have and experience joy. And we can experience joy in many different areas of life. In our families, at church, I've seen fans at sporting events experience so much joy. I've seen joy expressed in, French, in friendships and in relationships. And even though we might classify joy as a positive emotion and not a negative emotion, we still need to be relational with God in it. God desires you. You in your lowest moments and you in your highest moments and everything in between. God desires to be relational with you. So when we feel joy, we first must be relational with God in our emotion. So we pray. God, right now I'm feeling joy because someone or something in, in life is I, I, I'm being well pleased in. Please help me glorify you in my joy. I know that sounds weird. We usually don't. We don't we usually don't do that. When we're a good moment, we usually don't sit still for a hot second, slow ourselves down, 
be like, God, I'm experiencing joy. Thank you for that joy. Now, what would it look like to sin in my joy instead of glorifying God? Proverbs 29, verse 3 says this, A man who loves wisdom brings joy to his father, but the one who consorts with prostitutes destroys his wealth. This might be really confusing on the front end of how this distorts joy, but I want you to look at this proverb a little bit more. The proverb is insinuating that you have already read the rest of the book of Proverbs. And when you see the word wisdom, you have understanding that wisdom comes from fearing and knowing the Lord. And so we can say that a man who loves the Lord brings joy to his father, and the joy that the father has is really from God. But then the half of the proverb, this is where joyful sinning and a joyful sinning takes place. It says, but the one who consorts with prostitute destroys his wealth. You can take a look at that and say, that person was trying to find joy in prostitutes and wealth. Someone, uh, someone who is trying to look for satisfaction, pleasure. There's a lot of things that give us pleasure and joy. But if we look to that thing to give us Joy time and time again, if you look to that thing as a source of joy, you're sinning. It's idolatry. Because ultimately, God is our source of joy in all situations. Right now, I'm reading a book with Pastor Dave called Dangerous Virtues, and it's taking a deep dive and look at the seven deadly sins that can be covered and can be... um, seen as good things in today's society. And the example I'm about to give is, is about food and the sin of gluttony. I know we don't like to talk about those things. But in that book, it talks about gluttony as in looking for a, a food to give satisfaction and enjoyment to your well-being. And the, and the author, John Kessler, says this, that we have distorted the purpose of food God created food to give us life. Instead, now we've distorted it because now we live for food. Because we're looking for joy in something that really only should come from God and His love for us in the person of Jesus Christ. So what does it look like to sin in in our joy? Is to label a thing as a source of joy, and then continually go back to it, hoping that it's going to give you joy, because ultimately, in the end, that thing will fail you. The only thing that is an ever-ending source of joy is the love of God. So what would it look like to glorify God in our joy? It's to thank God for the thing that you are enjoying. It's not bad to enjoy food. I can enjoy, Amber and I were just on vacation. I wasn't planning on telling the story, so I apologize. Um, Amber and I were just on vacation this past week, and uh, we went to a really good restaurant. We had some really good food. Um, And it's it's not bad to enjoy good food. The problem is, is when next time we go up to that area, it's like, oh, man, that food was like, that food's going to give me joy. I know that food, I'm looking for pleasure in that food, because now my mind has been 
thinking, oh, that food gives me that good feeling and that joy. Instead of realizing, no, God allowed me to eat that. God created that food. God gives me joy. God is the one that allows me to enjoy the food from him. God is ultimately the source of my joy. And so how does it look like to glorify God in our joy is to thank God in those moments when we experience that emotion. To praise him. Verbally, if you need to. Silently, if you must. But to praise God, to thank God, to have an attitude of gratitude, that's what it looks like to glorify God in our joy. To realize everything is a good gift from him. Now, I don't have time. I'm actually over my time. Disgust and sad follow the same things. There's a way to glorify self and the emotions of sadness and disgust. And there's a way to glorify God and the emotions of sad and disgust. We must be relational first and foremost when we experience those emotions. In any emotion, we must be relational with God. No matter what emotion we experience, the purpose of them is to draw us closer relationally to God. No matter what emotion we experience, the purpose of them is to draw us closer relationally to God. And I just want to encourage you, there's kind of a negative stigma on emotions sometimes in society. We're tempted to push down our emotions or attempt or uh, tempted to turn away from them to view them as bad i'm here to tell you when we push down when we push away when we don't want to engage with an emotion that we feel or experience you are robbing yourself an opportunity to be relational with the creator of the universe You're robbing yourself an opportunity to be relational with the creator of the universe. And I'm guilty of that. I think just yesterday it was, I was feeling overwhelmed. There's something that, a, a season of life, there's a situation that's hard. I think I just exclaimed out loud. I was like, this situation is hard to Amber. I was like, this is just hard. And Amber's like, you want to talk about it? I was like, No. <laughs> I just need you to hear that, like, I think this is hard. I was not controlling my emotion. I did not turn to God in that moment. I did not want to talk about it at a deeper level. I did not want to peel back the layer of the, the action that was happening, why it made a hard situation in my life. It's lazy. It's easy to not dig deep. It takes intentional effort and submission to God to peel back those layers, to be open and honest, and to be relationally with God. I want to close with these two thoughts. Maybe you're sitting here and you have no idea what a relationship with God looks like. You're, you're hearing this, emotions are designed to be relationally with God, and you have no idea what a relationship with God looks like. Maybe you're sitting here and you've never put your full trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
You've never experienced having a right relationship with God. You don't know what that feels like or means. I, I want to encourage you, today, today can be the day that you experience a relationship with the creator of the universe. That you can have your sins been forgiven. You can have your sins washed away. That you can start this journey of growing closer relationally with God. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that, today's a great day to do that. I also want to encourage you, maybe you've been here and you have, have had a relationship with Jesus and you've been walking with Jesus for years and years and years. I want to encourage you in this. Be relational with God. It's okay to be honest about your emotion. Because that's the first step in handling emotions in a God-glorifying way. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you're hearing this and you're like, I have not ever handled my emotions that way. I, I do turn inward when I get angry or when I fear. I, I do trust myself a little bit. I want to encourage you, this is a great opportunity in the morning to confess that to God, to confess that sin and to ask him to change your heart in that so that when you do feel that emotion come up again, you can look at it as an opportunity to be relational with the God of the universe who loves you, who created you, who desires you in a relationship with him. That's my encouragement to you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for an opportunity to open your word and to study through Proverbs. God, we thank you for just the work that you're doing in each of our lives. God, I pray as we continue and go throughout this week and experience emotions, God, that we can see those as an opportunity to be relational with you. As an opportunity to glorify you and as an opportunity to grow closer to you. God, help us to worship you in all aspects of our life and any time of our life. God, help us to live out those commands of loving you and loving others and glorifying you all the way. God, we love you, we serve you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we close out this morning's service, um, I want to read a passage, but before I read it, again, I just want to encourage you, if there's anything you have questions on, because again, it was a very brief survey, um, feel free to come find me after the service, contact me. Um, and I would love to meet up and talk with you more about if you have any questions or things to clarify about emotions. Um, I, would, I want to close with uh, Jude, the last part of Jude, um, starting in verse 24. And I, I, I want to read this because um, talking about guarding our hearts, like we can't do this on our own, loved ones. Like we need God. We need God's strength. We need God's help in every aspect of our life. And so I, I think this, this clearly communicates that. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to be glory, majesty, power, authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. He is able. He is worthy. Let's go praise him. Let's grow relationally with him. 
because He already views us as without blemish in Christ. Let's go this week and continue to be relational with God.